So we're in the book of Matthew and we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Yeshua's most important message that's recorded for us anyway. And in this message, Yeshua has been explaining to us that He didn't come to abolish or we could say do away with the Torah, but that He came to explain to us how members of His kingdom would live, would keep the Torah. Yeshua gives us a Torah observance that is a standard, a standard of keeping Torah that rises above the Pharisaic way of living out, walking out the Torah. Yeshua teaches us that keeping the commands of God, to do that you have to have at the center of your observance and at the center of your heart, loving your neighbor as yourself needs to be applied to each and every command. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart needs to be applied to each and every command because that's the reason they were given. They sum up the rest. The rest are an expanding on these two. The rest must be understood in that context. They must be at the core of each and every command. Yeshua tells us that unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, that we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he gives us examples of his standards of keeping Torah. Saying, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. You see, it's not a question of if you keep Torah. The people of God will keep Torah. They want to keep Torah. They want to be obedient. It's a question of how you keep Torah. The rabbi down the street on Fairview keeps the Torah. I keep the Torah. We both keep the Torah to the best of our understanding. But each of us keeps Torah differently. Well, Yeshua in this sermon is giving us his standard for walking out the commands of God. He has in chapter 5 and 6 some pretty tough standards to live by. We're to be givers and not just in our comfort zone givers, but we are to give and then fast so that we can give more. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves, not be angry with our brother. Do not even look at a woman lustfully or you commit adultery. And after laying out all these seemingly impossible standards that would leave any person shaking his head because in and of ourselves they are impossible to achieve, he he gives us the key to achieving this. And the key we learned last week is prayer. We have to be a people of prayer who seek the Lord to walk with us through life. To hear His voice. To allow Him to guide us in all things. And we spoke last week about how it was the reason that we were made. You see, when you get to the essence of the Bible, it's a story of a God who made man in His image. He made him in His image so that He would be able to speak with Him. To walk with Him. To have relationship with Him. But as we spoke of last week, Adam and Hava chose chose to change that. He desired to be more than God. And so he fell from God's image. And since that time, God has sought to restore man and that relationship that he had when he walked and talked with Adam in the cool of the day in the garden. And after he tells us to ask, to seek, to knock, in other words, to be a people of prayer, he says this to us. He says, so in everything, 
Do unto others what you would have them do unto you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. He makes it even easier for us. He sums it all up into one. He not only tells us how to achieve those things through prayer, he further sums up all that he said in one sentence. He says, in all things, treat one another as you would have others treat you. You see, if you can do that, you'll have no problem doing the things about. He just made it simpler. That's all you have to apply to each and every command. You only need to keep this in mind. Do unto others as you would have them do unto do, to you. Do you want God to always be at your side to walk with you through life? Then never leave His side. You want to love your neighbor? You want your neighbor to love you and treat you with kindness and respect? Then treat Him that way. And in verse 13 He says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few find it. Enter through the narrow gate. So what is the narrow gate? Well, the narrow gate is accepting Yeshua as your Messiah and Savior. Realizing that He's the prophet like unto Moses, the Son of God, and then committing your life to Him. The narrow path is walking as Yeshua, as your rabbi, walking through life as one of his disciples, living out the things that we've been speaking of for the last few weeks. It's walking out and through life in the Spirit so that our lives are filled with the things of God, with the patience of God, with the kindness of God, with the gentleness of God, the self-control, the generosity and love of God. That we'll love each other as God loves us. All the things that he's been telling us in the last three chapters. And remember that he's the gatekeeper. It's Messiah that guards the way to the tree of life and in the garden. He sits at the gate and the path is simple. We've been talking about the path. The path is the way Yeshua lived. And he lived by doing the will of the Father. The path is relationship with God. Not the compromises we often find in traditional teachings in regard to Torah. Not even the commands of Torah. We saw in the law concerning divorce. We saw in the law concerning divorce. It, it isn't the heart of God. The heart of God is that we never divorce. That's the true will of the Father. The path is narrow. The path is all the things that we've been speaking of. And it is narrow. Isn't it? Well, I guess it is because I look around the world. I look at the church today. And I don't see people who measure up to those standards that he's been speaking of. It is a narrow path. And not many find it. And not, those, and not many of those who do find it stay on it. What about the broad road? Well, that's everything else. That's why it's broad. It's every other way that might seem right to a man, but in the end leads to destruction. The broad road is the opposite of the way Yeshua has laid out in his message, and I don't care how righteous it looks. Still that broad road. Lose your saltiness. Hide your lamp. Break the commandments. Teach others to do the same. Stay angry with your brother. Speak evil of him. Indulge in the appetites of your eyes. Lust 
Divorce. Misuse God's name. Use it to lift up your own words. Repay evil with evil. Demand your rights in court. Demand compensation in court. Don't give. Turn away from the one who asks, the ones who's in need. Hate your enemies. Show partiality and favoritism. Blow your own trumpet. Seek after the honor of men. Serve money to the exclusion of God and doing good. Store up treasure on earth. Have a bad eye. Be a stingy person. Never acknowledge the possibility that you might be in error. That's the broad gate. That's the broad path. And the reason so many find it is it is broad. It's following someone other than Yeshua. It's rabbinic Judaism. It's Christianity. It's the rules of men. It's anything other than sitting in your prayer closet and finding out the will of God for your life. That's why it's so narrow. And it's why Yeshua says next in verse 15, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By your fruit you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. So in context of the passage, what does Yeshua mean here when he says false prophets? Because he has, a, he has not been speaking of prophets as we think of prophets, but he's been speaking of bad teaching and teachers. Why would all of a sudden he speak of prophets when he's been teaching us about our walk through life and living lives that are of a standard that rises above that of the Pharisees, the teachers of the day? And then he just finished saying, to enter through that narrow gate... And avoid the broad path. So what does he mean by false prophets? Well, if we look at the book of Jeremiah like we did this morning, we'll find that these false prophets kept the people in sin and darkness. Jeremiah called the people to repentance. And the false prophets told the people, Oh, God was with them. Don't worry, he's not angry. And that led the people not to repent and brought about the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. So really... Let's be honest, a false prophet is one who leads people down the broad path. And he does it in the name of the Lord. That's not the idea most of us have of prophets. Most of us, idea of prophets is someone that says, thus saith the Lord. And then what he says isn't of the Lord. When in fact, it's broader than that. Not just that, but the teachings of the Pharisees were to be obeyed as if they were the words of God himself. In fact, the teachings of the rabbis were often held in higher regard than the Torah itself because they taught that you couldn't understand the Torah without the help of the rabbis and the teachers. So is it a possibility that when Yeshua says false prophets, he means something broader? False teachers, false prophets, anyone who will lead you down that broad path in the name of God. I think so. Let's go to where God warns Israel about these false prophets. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 21. 
You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? What if a prophet claims in the name of the Lord, but but it does not take place or come true? That is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. And so one measure, of course, of a false prophet is, is it, did what he say come to be? But it's not the only measure. If we read the context of those words, let's read a little farther here, or let's read a little bit above it, beginning with verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers and you must listen to him for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see this great fire anymore or we will die. And the Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. And if anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything that I have not commanded him to say or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be put to death. You see, Yeshua is on the mountain. He's speaking to the people as the prophet, like Moses. He's saying, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, not Rabbi so-and-so says unto you, but I say unto you. He doesn't rest his authority on anyone but himself. He's speaking as the prophet like unto Moses. And the people had asked Moses to speak to God for them and teach them. And here Yeshua is telling the people that he's the one who's, that the one that he's telling the people that the ones who sit in Moses' seat now, the scribes and the Pharisees, have not really spoken the heart of God for the people. But he is. Understand that Yeshua's idea of a false prophet is a bit broader than ours. It can include anyone who speaks presumptuously in the name of the Lord. They don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. The Pharisees had placed themselves in that position. Listen to what Deuteronomy 13 and verse 1 through 4 says. If a prophet or anyone who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign of wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart, with all your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow and you must revere and keep his commands and obey him, serve him and hold fast to him. So here's the measure we want to look at in the context of what Yeshua is saying. If someone entices you to worship other gods or worship God in other ways, in the ways of other gods, if they entice you or not to follow the commands of the Lord and serve Him, then He's a false prophet. So, if there are those who tell you that the commands of God, they don't have to be followed anymore. What are they? If they try to teach you, this is what God meant, when in fact, it's not, what are they? Because the commands of God properly understood through the leading of the Spirit, spirit, that's the narrow path. Now listen to what Yeshua says next. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? 
and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Well, this is, I, I think this is one of the scariest passages I've ever read in all of Scripture. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And I hear people try and figure out, who's he talking about here? Because it is such a frightening passage. Well, let's see if we can figure it out. The first thing we need to concern ourselves with is, not everyone who says to me. Yeshua is speaking. He's speaking to us as the judge at the end of days. And if we look down, he says that they will say, Lord, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? He's speaking to those who have done things in his name. Professed his name. In other words, these are those who have heard about Yeshua and are doing things in his name. They are those who confess the name of Yeshua. And the other thing that we should understand about the passage before we start the commentaries, it says, away from me, you evildoers. And the word for evildoer there is anomia. I put the definition up here. The condition of without law. Because you're ignorant of it, because of violating it, contempt and violation of law, iniquity, wickedness. Notice that the word means without law, for any reason. Ignorance, contempt, violators of the law. Which law do you suppose is being referred to? Well, let's look at where this word comes from. It comes from the word ananomos. It says, destitute of the Mosaic law, departing from the law, a violator of the law, lawless. You see, the folks that he's talking about are destitute of the law, the Mosaic law. The same law that Yeshua just interpreted for us in the Sermon on the Mount. So these are people who are lawbreakers. And yet... They claim to be followers of the Messiah Yeshua. And not only that, they stand there in front of the judge and argue with him. They argue over his verdict. These are people who are just unable to understand how Yeshua could have reached such a verdict. And Yeshua says of these people, I never knew you which we'll speak of in just a little while. Now, if you've known me for a long time, or listened to many of my messages, you know that I'm a stickler for context. And the context of this statement is the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. He's making his concluding remarks here. He started out the message by telling us that we would be blessed, Secure, happy, content if we follow him and become his disciples. He tells us that the Torah will never be abolished until all things are established. And then he tells us, and remember, this is the context for what follows. He tells us that our righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. If we are to be disciples and part of his kingdom... And only after those statements does he go into the true meaning, giving us 
the correct understanding of the Torah, that anger is as deadly a sin as murder, that even looking at a woman lustfully is unfaithfulness and adultery, that your yeses have to be yes and your noes should be no, that we should love not just our neighbor, but we should even love our enemies. In chapter 6, he tells us, in all things, in our money, in our prayer, and in our fasting, we should consider our brother and be generous to those who are in need. Pray for them, fast for them, give to them. He's saying this is what the Father intended when He gave you the Torah so many years ago. And this is the way those of my kingdom will behave. This is the true Torah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. In all things, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the Torah we must keep. And listen to what he says next. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house... Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The disciples of Yeshua are those who hear the words of Yeshua and put them into practice. And when they do that, they have security. Listen to verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell with a great crash. The folks Yeshua just spoke of as being lawless are those who didn't put his words into practice. And so they're lawless. They have not followed the Torah, whether through ignorance or through contempt. Just one more thing we need to understand about this passage, and I passed it by, although I made a point of it several times. I never knew you. Yeshua says, depart from me, you lawless. I never knew you. And the context of that statement can only be, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do unto others what you would have them do up to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Remember from last week, we determined that the only way that we could attain the standard of law that Yeshua has just laid out for us is to have relationship with Yeshua. These things Yeshua spoke of are so far removed from who we are, they're so different from who we are, that we need a radical makeover. I thought of these radical makeovers you see these people do on people on TV. You ever see those? Get this... They give you a picture of this 
gal or guy and they're all scruffy and their hair's all undone and they no makeup on and then they go in and they fix them all and they wow wow even their husbands don't recognize them sometimes we need that kind of a radical makeover that people don't recognize us anymore Yeshua says, I never knew you. He's saying that he has had no relationship with these people whatsoever. He doesn't even know them. They've never spoken with him. They've never heard his voice. They did not ask, they did not seek, and they never knocked on the door. The only way Yeshua could make that statement, I never knew you, is that these people have no relationship with him whatsoever. Do you see how important prayer is? It's how you come to know Yeshua. Not just know about Him. Not just know His Torah. But it's how you come to know Him. And when I say prayer, it's not just, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You can say that prayer every day of your life and still stand before the Lord one day and have Him say, I never knew you. You get to know someone by sharing your life with them. Sharing your concerns with them. Listening to their concerns. Let them share their life with you. The things we spoke of last week. Listen to the words of the prophet, our master, our rabbi, our teacher, in John chapter 10 and verse 17, or verse 7. Therefore Yeshua said again, Verily I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life that is full of life. Yeshua is the gatekeeper. Listen to what he says in verse 13 of Matthew. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and few find it. Yeshua is the narrow gate. There's no other way. There's no way to get to the narrow path except through Him. Not know about Him. Those folks who did the miracles in His name knew about Him. But they didn't know Him. Prayer, conversation, sharing your life is the only way you can come to know Him. Not about Him. Not do miracles in His name. Not prophesy. But talk to Him. Get to know Him. Verse 10 says, or John chapter 10 says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it up. For me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This is the command I received from my Father. Know what he says here? My sheep. I have sheep of another pen. They're my sheep. He has more sheep than just the people of Israel. Thank goodness. And they too will hear 
my voice. Notice it doesn't say that they'll listen to my words that Rabbi Stan reads for them. They'll not just hear my teaching that Rabbi Stan expounds for them. Not just the teaching, read the teachings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not just the words of Paul penned by my spirit. But they will hear and listen to my voice and make no mistake, the word for voice there is phone. We all know what a phone is, right? Well, in the Greek it means a sound, a tone. The sound of uttered words. Yeshua's sheep will hear the sound of his voice as he utters his perfect Torah to their hearts. One of kindness, one of gentleness. That's no respecter of persons because, again, there is no Jew or Greek, slave nor free, male nor female in his kingdom, but only disciples who hear his voice. And they will know his voice. And he will know them. And because of that, he will not say on that day, depart from me, I never knew you. When Peter needed teaching about the sheep of the other pen coming into the Kehilat of Yeshua, he didn't go to his, he didn't go to a rabbi. He didn't look in the Torah. But Acts chapter 10 verse 15 says, the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Listen, folks, we need to get this right. Because our discipleship, our true discipleship depends on it. Yeshua told us we would hear his voice. And the Father told us to listen to his voice. Listen to what Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5 says. While he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. The great men of the Bible. The hall of fame of faith. The book of Hebrews. They didn't have Torah. They didn't have rabbis or teachers. But they pleased God. And how did they do it? Well, listen. By faith, Noah, when warned about these things yet not seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Faith comes through hearing the voice of God. Noah was saved and pleased God. Listen to this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Can you imagine how well you have to know God to have him tell you to go offer your one and only son and then you do it? I doubt whether Yeshua will say to Abraham on that day, depart from me, I did not know you. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. What does Paul say? Faith comes through hearing. 
By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Enoch, with faith and hearing from God, did not taste death, but went on to be with the Lord, to walk with Him in the cool of the day like we talked about last week. And He's walking with Him still in the cool of the day, in the garden. Not hearing the voice of God tripped up Israel from the time they refused. And if you don't take the time to build relationship with the King, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how Torah observant you are. You'll not know Yeshua. It's what tripped Israel up in the desert. It's what tripped Israel up as we read in Jeremiah this morning. And it will trip you up as well. Learn the lesson because that which has been is that which shall be. That which has been done is that which shall be done. Folks, our blessed hope is that one day we'll be with our Lord Yeshua. That we'll spend eternity with Him. That we'll know Him so intimately that we'll be as a bride. We'll be one with Him. Our hope is to curl up in the lap of our Daddy, our Abba, and rest there for eternity. That's the hope we profess. It's time that it not only is the hope we profess, but it's the reality we live. and The reality that we bring others into. It's time we take the time to rest in the arms of the one who gave everything so that we would be able to do so. The one who gave his life that we might live. Not just say we love him, but take the time to tell him we love him. To share with him and to allow him to share his burdens and his joys and his love with us. Amen?